Welcome to The Nix, where we talk about pop culture until we can't stand it anymore, and we nix it. I'm Fanny Darling. And I'm Justin Hartung. As always, a quick warning, there might be spoilers for anything we talk about on this podcast, but we will do our very best to let you know that they're coming. This week, we're talking about the filmed stage version of Hamilton, which recently debuted on Disney Plus, to remind us that that service still exists. Okay, so welcome this week, and this is our weekly, I was going to say bi-monthly, but no, we do this every week. Please rate and review yeah. us on the podcast app of your choice, because that would make us happy, and very few things are making us happy recently. True. So do that, and that would be fine. What'd you do in pop culture this week, Justin? I have still been watching What We Do in the Shadows, the FX show on Hulu, I am full on obsessed with this show. It's made me laugh harder than pretty much uh, any other comedy this year. Uh, I find it just ridiculously silly. I was watching it with Dave and he said, oh, my God, I know why you like this. There's so much Elvira in this DNA. <laughs> and he's not wrong. Um, it, it's funny. I can see watching it, all the sort of Jermaine Clement, uh, Taika Waititi stuff. I am really happy that they've sort of mostly removed themselves from, you know, the cast for the most part. And I know they show up in little bit parts and they don't do too much directing because I think this cast is so spot on. They are so consistent working together. Uh, the whole sort of season arc with uh, spoilers for the first season of what we do in the shadows. One vampire, two vampire, three vampire. Uh, yes, I did that. Um, there's a, you know, Van Helsing character uh, that shows up and in surprising ways, it is delightful. It makes you sort of care about these ridiculous characters. Um, it's the, you know, the little tiny sort of side character subplots, Vanessa Bayer showing up as the emotional vampire as a foil to the energy vampire and then them falling in love and teaming up is sheer brilliance. Um, it's my favorite out. part of the whole first season. I know that there's a lot to love about the whole first season, but that is my just the just his realizing oh my God, she's a vampire too. She's stealing all of my energy because of her pity. I, I have funny. worked with people like that. So Totally. And it's funny because the show definitely has a little of The Office in its DNA. And oh yeah. That guy was a, a character on The Office at some point, which I do not yep. remember at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it, yeah, that episode veered a little too, I was like, uh-oh, it's just, just going to be The Office, but it sort of keeps evolving beyond that um yeah. it's just so so funny and i can't wait to keep watching this and see where it goes um also go look up the actor who plays uh is his name nardo nardo i always forget nando not nando nando i think that's a fried it's like a chicken chain anyways yeah, well that's his um, name <laughs> he is smoking hot or used to be or just google him in his past roles he's yeah smoking hot that's a treat he'll, we'll like a picture there 
Um, okay, wow. <laughs> yeah, I did not expect that. I know, Dave was watching it, and Dave was, my husband was like, oh, he's so hot. And I was like, really? And he's like, yeah, because I picture. looked him up at dinner. Right. <laughs> um, I've been reading still um, on to new books. I also got to give a shout out really quick. Yeah, yeah, Braggy Braggerson. To Libby, uh, the iPhone app that lets you plug into your local library and check out ebooks and put things on well, Wouldn't hold. it be Libby then? Lib- Libby? Yeah, maybe that I makes mean, more sense. It's a library. Know. Yeah, that makes All right, I'll take it. Um, it is the greatest app. It makes it, everything so easy. You're just like, boop, your card's already in there. You find something, it's on hold. You get a no- notification when it's ready. Um, I'm currently reading The Changeling by Victor Laval. This is a book that came out, I believe, a year or two ago. Uh, it is horror fantasy, but also is really fantastic at just a character study of um, a family living in New York and just um, dealing with um, some some crisis stuff that is gets more and more horrible as it goes on. But it's also very funny. Uh, it is rare to see uh, a black author um, in horror in this genre. Um, I don't know that it's rare, but it's it's nice that the characters in this, it's also just about the experience of being a sort of a black man in a family and a new father and his friends. It's, it's, I don't know. I'm really appreciating how detailed it is around characters and character interactions that you rarely see in this genre, you know, generally. So um, no matter who's writing it, uh, I really recommend it so far. I don't know where it's going. It is getting more and more horror, horrible, horrifying as I read it, which is freaking me out because it was so funny and sweet in the beginning. Um, definitely is a bit of a, a sucker punch that way. But uh, yeah, I highly recommend it and I will keep you updated when I finish it. Um, I also wanted to play a song for this week. Uh, this is a band called Man on Man. <laughs> can you guess uh, what the <laughs> subtext of that is? There is no subtext. I can. Uh, Roddy Bottom from the band Imperial Teen, one of my favorite, um, I don't know if they're one of my favorite bands, but they're a great band. And I saw them right before the COVID lockdown. So they have a special kind of spot in my heart right now. Um, Roddy Bottom was also the keyboardist for the 90s kind of prog rock band Faith No More uh, with the flopping goldfish. I don't remember if you know if you remember that video. Um, But he has started a quarantine band with his boyfriend, Joey Holman. Uh, They are called Man on Man. The first single that they released is called Daddy. It's super sexy, gay, ridiculous fun. Um, One of the things I also love about it is everyone should go check out the video. Maybe we'll tweet the link to that. Um, It is super, you know, sort of body positive. It's him and his boyfriend pretty much in dress, just in their tidy whities and they do not have in any way, shape, or form perfect gay whatever bodies. And it's sort of sensual, but it's also playful. And um, it's just, it's kind of startling to see that sort of representation of gay culture in a music video for an incredibly fun and rocking song. So let's take a quick listen to Daddy by Man on Man. Daddy, can we keep it? Promise that you'll beat it. It's 
Okay, and finally, I wanted to talk about um, uh, Hannah Gadsby's special Douglas on Netflix. Me too! Which I know we both saw, so that'll be a good segue. Um, This is her follow-up to the insanely um, popular and loved... um, Oh my God, why can't I remember the name? We were just talking about it, and now I'm breaking... Nanette! Nanette! That's the name? Um, We talked about that. Go back and listen. We both love Nanette. Um, I was... I got to admit, I was worried whether she had enough, I don't know, not that I didn't think she'd have enough material, but because Nanette was such a sort of formal um, feat of sort of, you know, melding comedy with personal story and really sort of challenging everybody that I was like, oh, is there more? Like, how is this going to evolve? That was so striking and so unique. Um, I have to say, I thought she completely avoided the sophomore slump with this. It is in some ways funnier and looser. Um, It's self-referential about Nanette and sort of about how all that sort of set her up for this special, but at the same time completely just dismisses that with this brilliant wave. Um, It also is a deconstruction of the way comedy works um, and yet doesn't feel pretentious somehow um i found it completely charming and i just think yep. she's a crazy talent to be reckoned with and i can't wait to see what she does next what did you think absolutely and i feel like i want to go back and watch it again now to really kind of remember some of the stuff that she said i i thought it was great i loved her i I didn't know you would be so excited about trauma <laughs> or, or when she asks everyone if, you, and if you haven't seen Nanette, why are you here? <laughs> She's wonderful. I, I adore her and I will watch anything she does and anything she's in. And I wish her nothing but the best of success. Um, just go watch both of her shows. They're, they're worth it. And they might make you cry in places, but they're and they're necessary and they're great. And speaking of, have you finished Please Like Me ever? Did yeah, I told we talked about it on this oh, podcast that I finished it and I was angry with you. Remember? Okay. Oh, right, right. Because so, the yeah. last four episodes are hard and I, yeah, yeah. yeah I yelled yeah. at you. There was yelling. And, but that was and, before quarantine, so. And if you're new to Hannah Gadsby, go back and watch that show. Just another plug for Please Like Me and how good she is on that. So, so good. Um, okay, do? I'm going to start with the crappy thing that I did is I watched The Good Liar. This is not a good movie. It's not even really a bad good movie. Um, Helen Mirren, you're fabulous. I love you. Same with you, Ian McKellen, Russell Tovey, and your ears. You're all fun, and this should have been way more interesting than it was, and it wasn't, and moving on. I started I, it and got bored. I, I didn't make it the whole way through. I mean, it has a surprise ending um which i saw coming but i don't know if other people did spoilers for the good liar this is like you know your chance to back out now she's playing him okay i mean that's yeah you can see that. turns out that she knew him when he was a nazi and he raped her and ruined her life and all of her family died and and so she's taking him for a ride can i say one thing about the problem with that movie of course you Um, can I think what was boring the hell out of me very quickly was, and made me think there was going to be some kind of twist like that was because they show his hand so early that 
like not only like do you kind of it's fine if you know that he's up to no good because that's sort of just the nature of these stories but you have these sort of like long scenes with him being up to no good right and so the dramatic tension is just like not there because you're just kind of like what is the point of this um yeah except to maybe be trying to set me up for some twist yeah i mean it killed two hours in quarantine thank you for that moving on um I listened to, uh, while driving up to the farther along in the Russian River than my pod and I had been to before, uh, my co-pilot, Olive and I, we listened to the Guru podcast. This is, uh, you can only listen to, I think, three episodes so far out in the podcast world. But if you download a free trial of Wondery, because you will become addicted as we did. You can listen to all six episodes of this podcast. It is about um, James Ray Arthur, who was uh, like a self-help guy, a la kind of landmark forum, but also involved in the secret that juggernaut and uh, was like, Oh, was on Oprah. Anyway, he, had people die at some of his retreats and it it's a deep dive into a cult and this particular guy and it's it tickled all of my little fancies when it comes to cults and <laughs> self you know those self-help cult things and it's out there listen to it it's fun um i also watched i'll be gone in the dark speaking of tell uh true crime like we did last week you can go delve in well i guess two weeks ago uh horrible people good good stuff about horrible people which reminds me you also watched the roy uh Cohn documentary oh yes um, i did it was excellent you were not wrong i loved it it is great really look at it people it's really good anyway michelle mcnamara who has since unfortunately passed was uh obsessed with the golden state killer case unsolved rapes and murders that this that happened in uh well up in our area sacramento all the way down to the bay area and uh was working on a book and wrote an article about these things this is on hbo and it is basically kind of a retelling of the book i'll be gone in the shadows many many interviews it's I read I read the book and um, I liked it. I think this is a good representation of it. They they are super involved with Patton Oswalt, and I feel like their reverence for Michelle McNamara may be sort of clouding that the story is about sort of this heinous unsolved. Now, spoiler alert. If you haven't been watching the news recently, this guy has been caught. He was caught not terribly long after Michelle McNamara died, and he has recently pled guilty. But because Patton Oswald is so involved, I feel like they may be looking at her with a reverence that isn't super clear. They're not looking at her very objectively. Um, and I like Michelle McNamara. I think she was a great sleuth and very honest about herself but i feel like possibly the documentarian crew weren't being as honest as she was about herself because they wanted to keep pat oswald involved he is her widower um and the father of her orphaned child and 
and also very famous as, in his own right. So I feel like there's a little bit of stars in their eyes about this. And I wish that that kind of, I think it has a slant that there's only two episodes so far that have dropped. And I think there's going to be eight. I will keep watching. I think it is well done, but I wish they'd gone into a little bit of her. And I don't know, maybe they do a little bit into her darkness and why she was so obsessed with this particular case and what it may or may not have done to her. She suffered from depression. She, when she passed away, it was from an accidental overdose, which may or may not have been from self-medicating due to this depression. And I wish they were slightly more clear eyed about this, but I do think it is a well done document, uh, you know, much like most of HBO's thing. I think it's things. I think it's well done. I just am not sure that they aren't, paying too much attention to the Patton Oswalt side of things. Right. So I did that. And I also watched both versions of the Stepford wives. I got on a kick about how Jordan Peele was influenced by the Stepford wives to do get out. I'm not sure where, why my brain woke up obsessed with this one one morning, but it did. So, and both versions are on Amazon Prime for free. So I watched the 1975 version and the 2004 version with Nicole Kidman and Matthew Broderick. And by the way, Mary Stuart Masterson is in the 1975 version as an adorable, like, seven-year-old child. I found it interesting to watch them back-to-back because the 2004 version is so obviously a satire and trying to say something that I think Ira Levine, who wrote the novel probably would have respected. And the 1975 version went kind of straight horror. You know, it didn't kind of go there. Uh, But when you have Bette Midler and John Lovitz and Glenn Close and Christopher Walken, (laughs) Nicole Kidman and Matthew Broderick and, Oh my God. And they do just enough twists to it to make it really about where we are in gender relations and gender politics. And I thought it was very, very interesting to watch them both that way. But also that I hadn't realized when I saw the 04 version, I mean, I knew that they had changed it a little, that they were trying to say something about our culture, but I don't think I paid super close attention to it at the time. And I, I, I didn't I realize 2004 version. Maybe I'll go back. It's good. It's good. And it's on prime. Nice. Um, I, and I knew that there was, you know, some influence on Jordan Peele. There's a, the, yeah, there's so much in there that I hadn't even connected. Cause I hadn't seen them in so long since I'd seen get out. They're both worth, worth checking out. And that's nice. all I did in pop culture. That's a good amount. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about Hamilton, uh, Lin-Manuel's juggernaut musical, which, as we mentioned, debuted on Disney Plus over the 4th of July weekend. It was supposed to come out in theaters next year, but uh, they decided to rush release it because COVID and we're all super bored. So thank you, Disney Plus. Uh, you get props for that one. Uh, it stars the original Broadway cast. Lin-Manuel Even though everybody's Anna. all pissed because they... Uh, canceled their free trial right before they dropped Hamilton. Everybody's very angry. Oh, Sorry, who does no. it star? 
It stars uh, the original cast, Lin-Manuel Miranda, who's obviously the writer and creator, too. Uh, Leslie Odom Jr. as, uh, as Burr, Aaron Burr, Philippa Sue, uh, David Diggs, and Jonathan Groff. Um, first of all, Fanny, why don't you tell me, just remind me, we've probably talked about this in the podcast, but just for those who don't remember or haven't heard, like, what your relationship is to Hamilton before this. And then tell us. My son loves show. Hamilton. My son loves Hamilton. That's my relation to Hamilton. I have a picture of my son in the 17th row of Hamilton. His friend took him to see it for his birthday. Um, that is really my relationship to Hamilton. That and my fear that I wasn't going to like Hamilton because I thought it was going to be like, oh, white people rap. Even though I know that these these are not white people doing this. I get that. But that was my fear of, oh, nerdy, like, Rapping kind of a, almost people. appropriation of rap. Yeah, rap for white people. Thank right. you. <laughs> rap for nerdy theater white people at that um, mm-hmm. is what I what I feared. Um, and had you listened to any of the music at all? Like the nope, soundtrack? Okay. Not very. I mean, I'd heard it, but not like where I'd paid attention. I had it had been on in the background of things, but that was it. Um, I feared badly that I was going to be at the very least indifferent at the very worst hating this musical. <laughs> and I was watching it with people again, hello, Layla, uh, that know every line. And this was very, you know, we had spent two weeks planning when we were all going to get together and watch. And it was a big deal. And, you know, we made cooked and it was very exciting. And we sat down and I had this fear of what if I hate this? <laughs> I did not hate this. I absolutely loved it. I found myself having several parental and just being touched in general, but then having a lot of parental empathy and really sort of losing my, my shit by the end. And I thought it was wonderful. I really, really enjoyed it. That's my relationship with Hamilton. Good. What's yours? (laughs) Um, I saw the San Francisco production in 2017 Um, and I kind of had some of the same fears. I remember when I went to go see it, I thought, you know, I, I don't tend to like modern music musicals. Like whenever they try and be like a rock musical or a a rap musical or whatever, I just end up not liking that because I'm such a music head that I, same thing. I don't like that sort of inauthentic appropriation of those sounds. Um, I didn't even like, you know. Uh, Spring Awakening, which everyone went crazy for, speaking of Jonathan Groff. Um, and th- I like that it got us Jonathan Groff. I guess, totally. Um, so th- I, this production blew me away in San Francisco. I just was completely riveted from the jump. I think it's so it, it's so efficient in its storytelling. It makes its point so clearly and yet manages to sort of feel fun and not like a, you know, history lecture. Um, the music is actually delightful and really varied. And, um, you know, even when it's sort of leaning into full on battle raps, um, you know, between the, the founding fathers, it sort of does it with a little bit of a, a wink. Like it's not, it knows it's not, you know, authentic rap or whatever that is, you right. know, it's a, uh, it sort of covers its ass a little bit in that regard. Um, I found the cast that I saw um, at that point, the touring cast, it starred Michael uh, Lavoie. I'm not sure if that's how you say his name. He's a Broadway vet. Parker he said be, he was great. 
He was incredible. Um, Which so- leads me to that one point of I think that Lin Manuel Miranda, while being an amazing author, he was definitely the weakest voice. Absolutely, I totally agree. And he's charismatic and he's fun. Yeah, oh um, yeah. But he, he I, I will say, Michael Awoy had this intensity that you, the scrappiness, the like, you know, whatever the line is about young and hungry in that yeah. one song is you felt it like leaping off the stage. Whereas nice. Memo Miranda, you're a little like, you've already had a huge success with in the Heights is his previous musical. And right. it, it doesn't have that same urgency, but he's very charming and he's very funny. And I think he engages really well. Oh uh, yeah. No, I'm not taking anything away from him. It was just yeah. that he, I couldn't keep my eyes off of Diggs. Now I know that, you know, look, he's an Oakland boy and I was going to be proud of him no matter what. But I literally, even when he was in shadow, he drew the eye and his voice is so amazing. And Odom's voice is incredible. And all of the Uh, women were so so good good that it was like, oh, Lynn. Yeah, I really just, liked. Thank you for writing it. Now go over there. <laughs> I really liked Philippa Sue as um, his wife Eliza. She, oh, yeah, she that, it's, it's a little bit of a thankless part. I think so, there's been a lot of talk about how some of the the women in the show. It's like they didn't quite know what to do, but they tried to do something. Um, and I think that leaves them a little short sometimes. But she really, I thought made the most of what she had to work with. Oh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Yeah. And Groff, I liked, I have to say it's my least favorite part of the show. You could cut the two reprises of that number and be just fine. I'm just like, but then they wouldn't get Jonathan Groff. Yeah. <laughs> every time and I he love comes Groff. out, I'm like, oh God. I, um, I, I have so much affection for him that I I was fine with it. And, you know, we did get to see him drool. So. Oh my God. God, that drooling was disgusting. I'm was, horrified. I knew you were. I was like, oh, that's where they may have lost Justin. Right there may have been. That's like the pimple popping in uh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. That might be where we lost him. I had heard he was like a spitter, but the dro- like the drool was just epically disgusting. Um, but yeah, I just I, it was so fun to see this show and put the subtitles on because I'm grandpa. And really sort of pay attention. Oh, I'm watching it again with them. Yeah, it was was No, I plan to watch it again with those subtitles because I was with people who knew the show so well that I know I missed so much. As as much as and being with those people who knew it so well and who were singing along with every line may heightened my like excitement and my appreciation and, and my moment of, Oh, I'm sharing this with you, but I know I missed so much that I'd like to see again. And uh, so I'll go back and, and watch it for that. For sure. Definitely. For, for sure. Yeah. And I feel like we should talk a little bit about the sort of the new, you know, um, reconsideration of Hamilton. Um, I think post Black Lives Matter, uh, post everything we've been through in the whatever, you know, six, five years this debuted. Is it five years old now? Um, there have been a lot of sort of think pieces about, like, this was a show that came out in the Obama era, and we have obviously, you know, gone into the, the Twilight Zone and it's turned everything upside down. Do you think... Um, I don't know. So a lot of the criticism is around the fact that this show is basically having actors of color playing people that were in real life slave owners uh, at, at the very least. Um, and is that appropriate? Does it bother you? I don't. It's, it 
has not bothered me. In fact, I found the subversiveness of it sort of empowering in we're taking this reverse appropriation of, you know what, this, this is actually ours. So we're going to take it from you. (laughs) You know, this is very much how I feel about, we're not going to get into it, but how I feel about the Harry Potter series. Right. You have now left this behind. And for those of us that it meant something to, we're taking it. And look, you ignored people of color in the history of America for so long. And the only voices that you have said that mattered are of the people that wrote this document. So we're going to take that and now it's ours and we're going to write something from it. Now, do I think that criticisms are somewhat valid of the think pieces? I get what they're saying, but I also do not, necessarily agree i think that this that that they that it was done very much with all of that in mind and with an eye toward it and so yeah i I think it's i I think it's to his manual's credit that it i think it's a, a a topic of conversation i think he thinks of this show as a living breathing entity that it is yeah. meant to be reacted to so, and maybe and i like that or, he doesn't you know, yep Absolutely. And that has been his reaction to all of the think pieces and all of the criticism is you're right. Your opinions are valid. Let's talk about it. Right. You know, not, not, no, you didn't understand what I said, but yep. You, 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 I may have missed what your thought, what you thought you want to talk about it. I will talk to you about it. That's great. Let's talk about it. And I I feel like that's where we need to be is let's talk about it. I also want to give a shout out to, and I think this is sort of related, the, the Hamilton mixtape that he he released with like a bunch of sort of real sort of pop and hip hop artists doing covers of all the songs. But even like nice. like interpolations and remixes, they'll take one line from a song and build it into a whole nother kind of song. Um, so it's this very like cool kind of remix uh, approach to a musical, which I think is sort of in, in the spirit of what we're talking about. Nice. Sort of like, right. this is an ongoing conversation, like even yep. musically. Um, so. Well, the constitution is supposed to be a living, breathing document. So <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> maybe, maybe Hamilton could be too. Right. Totally. Um, yeah. I really love this and it couldn't have come at a better time. Cause I just, yeah. I needed something a little, I needed a little uplift. I also needed to be reminded that people can sometime in the future go together and sit in a space and enjoy live theater together. I know that that will happen. Question is when, but it will happen. Um, anything else? Yep. No, I, th- I think that that's about it. I'm going to go watch it again with the subtitles. In the nice. <laughs> um, I wasn't going to do a Nix, but now I have a Nix. Okay, um, cool. Because I haven't done one in a while. I mean, sure. it's not it's not that surprising. I'm always um, grumping about something. So, so the Harper's letter. <laughs> oh, we're it. talking about it. Okay, well, go ahead. We're not going to talk too much about it, but it, it's in service of something else that I feel much less ambiguous about. Uh, there was a letter, um, basically, that a bunch of sort of uh, you could say older generation academics and writers and journalists um, printed in Harper's magazine. It was basically um, a call to cancel, cancel culture. (laughs) Uh, To to, Nick's Nick's culture? To Nick's Nick's culture. Um, And it it was received 
very divisively, at least across the Twitter sphere and um, among other sort of younger journalists. Um, I'm not here to debate whether or not that was in itself next worthy. I mean, personally, I thought it raised some interesting points, but it's also highly problematic timing. I mean, I'm getting into it now. J.K. Rowling was among the letter signers. Jesse Signal, there was a lot of sort of like what kind of weird sort of anti-trans kind of <laughs> outreach <laughs> happened here and why is this, you know, referring to a lot of things that are not being spoken explicitly. And so I think people were rightfully obviously very upset with that. So, it, but it ultimately made me very like my first reaction was I hate cancel culture and it is bad. Even though we named, we talked about this all the time. We named this podcast, the Knicks. I do think it is a big problem. And I sort of appreciated the spirit of where some of the letter at least came from, but I right now, <laughs> Kanye West <laughs> <laughs> oh god yes please um it, mark it, and i were talking about this before we started recording there was an interview today that came out i don't even remember where but he's pretending to essentially be done with trump and you know he announced his presidential run and i mean it's crazy it's all the usual kanye stuff um but it's like leaning extra hard into uh, God and the devil as, you know, the, the only way to live and basically oh, vaccinations nuts, are man. evil. I mean, it's really like if you were our president, it would be even worse than Trump. I'm also highly suspect that he's just working in tandem with Trump um, to try and disrupt the Biden campaign, which he doesn't even totally deny in this interview. And it just made me think after the, all this week of defending this article about cancel culture and how it's bad, I'm, I, I he's canceled. <laughs> so, <laughs> he is fucking next. Um, the, if the next was made for anybody. That's was, super fair. Um, it just, I, I, I've defended, I think I defended him like a, a week ago or so. I mean, he's a, was a brilliant you did, musical yeah. artist. Um, but I, I mean, I can't now it's like, I don't know what to say. Like, I'm just beyond words. There's nothing more to say. There's no coming back from this. And it's sad because it's, he's an artist that I really did love at some point. Um, and it's, it's really, I think made anything he's ever done toxic to me. Like I can't go back and listen to it. And that's, that's hard. Um, so that's all. That's my next Kanye. You're firmly next Harper's letter. You're being evaluated still. <laughs> <laughs> Anything well, else? This I think week? that's fair. No, I don't think we have anything okay. else this week. We're not on. Um, well, you can find us on Twitter at the Knicks Podcast. Everything else, send us an email if you want at emotiontonix at gmail dot com. Everything else, we are boycotting and avoiding because the world is on fire and everyone sucks. I've been and dipping my that. toes into Twitter a little bit. You can probably tweet at me at Justin Hartung on Twitter. I might not respond. I probably won't respond, but you can try. You can find me at Fanny V Darling. I will respond. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>